talking about a true disciple. Because that's what we want to be. As followers of Christ, we want to be true disciples. It's so easy to carry the name tag of a disciple and not follow him. The church is full of it. Seriously, the church across the world is full of people that carry the name that's disciple but don't follow Jesus. And that's a contradiction because you can't be a disciple without following Jesus. So you're either just a seat warmer, attendee, or a disciple. So um, early in this year, we were at the eldership camp, and there was this prophetic picture of a scrum. Not really sure if anyone enjoys rugby. I do. Um, so there's a, there's a scrum, and then there's the front row. It's normally the, the solid guys, the big guys in the team. Um, and they get ready to scrum. So the front row is in front, and they've got the forward pack behind them, interlocking, and they're ready to scrum. And then the ref says, is it still touch and pause gauge, or has it changed again? Is it still that? Eh? Touch, eh? Touch, bind. The ref says a lot of things, and then <laughs> what they've got to do, it changes every year, and they've got to connect, and they've got to hit one another, and they've got to scrum. And what happens is if the front row back doesn't go in low enough, they connect and the moment they start pushing and there's pressure, normally if they're not low enough, one of the guys pop up. And they've got to reset. And the game doesn't move on. The scrum doesn't have any forward movement because of the one guy constantly popping up because they're not low enough. And the picture was about that we, as God's people, as saints, as leaders, need to have an attitude of humility coming low so that when pressure comes, we don't have flesh popping up, but we can actually go forward in God. I want to tell you, flesh is probably the biggest thing that breaks momentum for a church. Flesh is probably the biggest thing that destroys marriages, that destroys friendship. Not the devil, our own flesh. When we get saved, we become a new creation, and within us, there's this battle of Christ in me, and me, myself, and I, the evil trinity. And then there's constant battle Constant scrum, constant scrum. But if we're low enough, if we're willing to die, willing to deny ourselves, there can be forward moving as we surrender to Christ. We need to stay in low. Humility has a lot of definitions. You know? um, it's, it's not to think less of yourself. Some, some fancy theologian says, coined humility is... An accurate estimation of yourself. That's just a humanism speaking there. Because humility is not an accurate estimation of self. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's actually thinking of yourself less. That is true humility. Because the right estimation of self is still thinking of yourself. It's still a self-focus. It's still a flesh focus. It's still a me focus. True humility is thinking of yourself less. A true disciple thinks of himself less. So I want to quickly look at this passage of Scripture in um, Matthew 16. Is this working? Fantastic. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my name's sake will find it. 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? First, but then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Luke 9, verse 23 said, Then he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. They must take up the cross daily and follow me. So Jesus is inviting people to follow him, to be a disciple. And he says, it's going to start with you denying yourself and picking up your cross every single day. Now let's quickly speak about the cross, the picture of the cross. Because, and then let's look what it's not to pick up your cross, to deny yourself. Let's quickly say what it's not. Firstly, the cross, many times people say, oh, I've got this cross to bear. And they speak about hardships, difficulties, illness as a cross to bear. And it's a figure of speech. This is my cross to bear. But when Jesus says, pick up your cross, he's not saying, pick up your struggle daily. That's, that's not what he's saying. Because many people think, oh, I've got to pick up my challenge for today. No, no, no. In the first century church, the first century days, the cross was not an example of struggle. The cross wasn't an emblem of a weight to bear. The cross was a symbol of one of the most humiliating deaths that you could die. The cross was a picture of death. So when Jesus says, pick up your cross, it wasn't pick up your struggle. It was be willing to die. They carried the execution device. That's what they did when they carried the crosses. Under ridicule, under mockery, they were carrying the execution device. So it was a picture of death when Jesus spoke. This is so contrary to a lot of the modern day teaching in churches. You know? Gareth and I were joking this morning. He asked what I'm preaching about. So I said, I'm going to preach about five steps to be a better you by Wednesday. <laughs> And you'll get a lot of books like that in the shops. You'll get a lot of sermons like that. What did you say? The better now. Oh, your best life now. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, my, my, my title was a bit lukewarm. <laughs> you can have your best life now. You're the head, not the tail. What is that? That's not the gospel. The gospel is humility. The gospel is picking up a cross, dying, denying yourself. Jesus said, if you want to keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. There's life in the dying. Just like in Jesus' death, there was a resurrection. There is life in the dying. And so subtly, the devil has come into the church and has deceived the church so that we can allow the flesh to rise up. And that's caused us to be numb, ineffective Christians. That has caused churches to lose momentum. That's caused divisions in churches. That has caused leaders to lead people astray. And so we've got to watch that deception. Jesus said, go sit at the end of the table and you will be exalted. The way of the kingdom is different. The way of the kingdom is different. And as we come to this congregation, as we gather, as we go to a community group, we want to have that attitude. I'm going to pick up my cross daily. And even as I come now into this community, because people will say stuff that will hurt me. People will say stuff that offend me. But I'm going to come in with a posture of humility. And I'm going to pick up my cross. Because we will be tempted. 
we will be tempted. When the pressure comes, when something is said, when something is done, what will pop up? I thought my son, my eldest, he's got a brother four and a half years younger than him. Probably one day they're going to enjoy the fact that they four years apart. But at the moment, 80% of the day, they're not fond of that. Um, there's the sibling rivalry. There's this subtle irritation. I, I think our youngest one, one of his languages is irritating his brother. Because <laughs> he's got a lot of that. <laughs> he's just... And, um, and so the, the older one is struggling with that. Really struggling. Because um, he can't... He can't force his younger brother to do something. So, so he's machtelous. What's it in English? He's powerless. He feels powerless. And because of that, because of that pressure, a lot of flesh is rising up. A lot of it. So I'm teaching him, my son, you're a follower of Jesus. We've got to pick up our cross daily. It's, it's these things that you've shown, your impatience, your irritation, Let's see if that's fruit of the Spirit. And we have to look and it's, none of that's there as part of the fruits of the Spirit. The anger, the frustration. And the problem is he tells me that he's got a justifiable reason. Because he's asked him to do that and he's not listening. So he's got a justifiable reason why he can be upset and irritated and impatient. And I said, my son, let's see if... The Bible says that we can bear fruit of the Spirit only when it suits us. Let's see. Ah, it's not there. So we can't display dried fruit the whole day. And it's all this flesh that comes out. And I'm training him to say, you've got to deny that. You've got to show, irrespective of what you face, you've got to show the fruit of the Spirit. The flesh is going to stay low, irrespective of the pressure. It's difficult. So last night, I'm stressed because I need to finish my preparation, and there's a lot happening, and life is busy, and it's crazy, and I get home, and um, things, I've got justifiable reasons for why I'm upset, because I got upset with the whole setup at home, and, and I'm, the Zaldi says, you must calm down. I'm like, no, I've, this is, let me, let me spell it out. There's a good reason why I can feel the way I do. Kids get settled. I sit with a computer ready to continue my sermon. I'm like, <laughs> I popped up. <laughs> it was the flesh that popped up. And that word cut back. And I realized, I don't, I felt like I had a justifiable reason, but I don't. And many times when we're in fellowship at home, there's some marriages that's struggling because we're not crucifying the flesh. We spoke about covenant. God makes, he's involved in that covenant. He's grace, he's supply. Every spiritual blessing that you need for life and godliness, every spiritual blessing that you have, that is available to you to make that marriage a success and, and bring it to health. It's available in Christ, free of charge. Yet we struggle. Why? Because there's a lot of flesh popping up and we don't want to deal with it. We find reasons why the flesh can rise up. We need to deal with the flesh. And in doing so, there's true life. I remember sitting with someone in the church speaking about stuff they're facing and situations and, and just hearing a lot of flesh 
And this person had an encounter with God, and it was incredible to see how a shift came. And as this person is giving himself more and more, so much more life is coming out of that person. It's like in that death, in that breaking, there's a fragrance coming out. And it's so life-giving. It's so beautiful. It's so attractive. We need to deal with the flesh. I'm, I'm, I'm just, my notes are dim. It's all over the show now. I think I've actually done my conclusion, went back into the sermon, um, did the intro, and uh, it's, but there's life in this. I'm just going, <laughs> I'm just going where the Spirit is, is leading. <laughs> um, for though the law, um, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we die, Christ, it's life. Christ in us gets exalted, and he rises up. It's him that rises up. When I die, when I deny myself, something of Christ gets resurrected in that moment of death. And so in my marriage, when I'm struggling, as I die to myself, as I crucify the flesh, it's Christ that comes up. And he's the blessing to my wife. Not me. It's his nature that's a blessing to my wife. It's his nature that's a blessing to my children. It's him. So we die so that Christ can live. Many times I've heard people like, oh, this is so difficult. I'm not getting to God. I'm so, it's such a battle at home. I've got justifiable reasons. And we just spoke about that and we just dealt with that. And it's like, I can't. I'm struggling. And you're 100% correct. You can't. But Christ can. So as you die, He comes alive. And He can. He can. Christ can. Christ can. Quibus, can you come be my prop quickly? Okay, he's going to play dead. I've asked him if he can act. Let's see if he can act dead. You fell forward. Eh? He must be dead, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of movement here for a dead person. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, um, you've probably seen this illustration somewhere, if you've been in Joshua long enough. But a dead person doesn't respond. A dead person doesn't respond. So I can do this. And there'll be no response. Because He's dead. I can hit him with a mic stand. But there won't be any response. Because he's dead. (laughs) I can spit on him right now. (laughs) And there will be no response. Because he's dead. If there's a lot of response at home, if there's a lot of response at work, if there's a lot of response in community or after community or when you leave church or when something's said here 
And, and, and there's a lot of response, dramatic response. It's probably an indication that you're not as dead as you thought you were. Because a dead person doesn't respond. And what I realized last night, as I sat there and I word cut back, I realized I'm not dead enough. <laughs> Maybe there was a setup from the Lord. <laughs> but I'm not dead enough. And I realized I had to, I had to deal with the flesh. I've got to crucify the flesh. Thanks, Bibis. That was good. <laughs> we want Christ to rise up. So we've got to deal with the flesh. So quickly, what are the ways, what, in which areas do we need to be willing to die? We need to be willing to die to our ways. Our ways of doing things. Our preferences. Our ways at home. Just because you have a way at home doesn't mean it's right. Is it the way of Christ? Does it reflect Christ, your family and your friends? Because that's truly what it's about. A true disciple is about the one he's following, not about himself. We need to be willing to die in order to follow Jesus. We can't follow him if there's no willingness to die. So we die to our ways. Um, Secondly, we die to our wants, our comforts. We need to be willing to let our comforts go in order to follow Jesus. When you drive, when you're at home, I remember, I remember last year when we had to host at the conference. Any of you remember that time? Glorious time. It was glorious, eh? Just that fellowship. For those of you that are new, we had a conference. Every year we've got a conference. We've got people coming from across the world. So we had to open up our homes. And the way of Christ, the way of the New Testament, the way of a true disciple is to practice hospitality, to open up your home. We came out of COVID, so we, I think our congregation hosted more than 70 people. And it was wonderful. But I remember two months before that when we started making the announcement, it didn't feel as glorious to hear that you've got to open up your home and have people stay there for a week. It was a battle. Because... I was thinking, oh, this is going to be so uncomfortable, number one. This is going to be, just affect my whole life. We've got to look at, we've got to get kids to school, and it's that, and it's this, and it's, oh, and it's extra money. And initially it was like, flesh wants to pop up, you know. Many of us died in that moment, and we said we're going to put our comfort, our wants aside. We're going to open up our homes. And we experience something of the life of Christ in that moment as we open up our homes, as we chose discomfort for the sake of the King. And with so many wonderful memories, I heard of other people that were just blessed by the people, not necessarily financially, but just blessed by the people. Just the way they prayed for them, the way they encouraged them. It was an incredible time. And so we've got to be willing to die to our wants, our comforts. And lastly, we've got to die to our will, our will, what we want what we want. Maybe you're here and you've got a ministry, you've got something that you want to feel, you want to just, that will be the next best thing for the church. I want to encourage you, just come and lay down at the feet of the Savior. Just lay down your world, your ideas. I want to, I want to go to that country and I'm going to make money. Does Jesus want you to go to that country? And if he wants to, then go. If he doesn't, then you need to stay because you're following him, not money or a career. He is the one that you need to follow. And sometimes he tells you, go for your career. I'm in this. 
But we need to be able to listen and hear his lead and be willing to go where he wants to go. Jesus, I don't think Jesus wanted to go to the cross. There was a deep conviction for the joy set before him. He did it. But in that moment, he said, not my will, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. And that's the attitude of the disciple. That's the attitude of someone that dies daily, that picks up the cross daily. It's to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Just practically, how do we... How do we put to death? Because we can get very spiritualized and like, yeah, we've got to put to death our flesh. We've got to deal with the flesh. We've got to pick up our cross. But how can we practically do it? We need to repent. The moment they feel like something popped up, repent quickly. It's in that quick moments of repentance we acknowledge your error that life comes. Times of refreshing comes when we repent. It's in that turning away from that thing and we turn to God that the life of Christ comes in. We need to release. We need to be willing to let go of certain things. Our plans, our comforts, we need to be willing to let go. And in those moments, we become surrendered saints. And Jesus can lead us on. Through intimacy. I tell you this, I can't deal with the flesh if I'm not intimate with the Lord. I've noticed that I've become... There's a lot of flesh that rises up in our vehicle if I drive around here, especially during lockdown times. Any of you have experienced that? That traffic intersections that becomes a four-way stop? And no, what did I say? Lockdown. <laughs> it feels like, it feels like lockdown, load shedding. No, load shedding, load shedding. When you get to that, four, that, that intersection, three lanes intersection, and the lights are off, and it's a four-way stop, and no one understands the rule of a four-way stop except you. Because everyone is like, oh, how does this work? And half of the cars are in the middle of the intersection, and no one knows what's going on. And you're like, just, just wait your turn. And I've realized a lot of flesh pop up there. When I'm intimate to the Father... I see very little. I see way less of that. I have the strength to deal with it. I'm more sensitive. So when I see it, I actually deal with it quickly. When I'm not intimate, I look at a lot of the reasons why I can act the way I act. And I focus on that rather than dealing with the flesh that rose up. And I've got a purpose daily to deal with it. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. And the reason why I'm sharing this, because for us as a church to move forward in God, for you as an individual to move forward in God, you need to be reminded of this today, that you've got to daily pick up your cross. We can't just do it once on a Sunday year. You can do it here, and then two weeks later you think, why is my life where it is again? Because you've forgotten to pick up your cross. You've forgotten to pick up your cross. So we've got to do it daily. I've got more to share, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna land here. I think I'm gonna land here. I think I feel like it's the emphasis has been there. It feels like the message has landed. Um, so the Apostle Peter, church tradition, church history says that Peter went. He was in Rome, and he heard he was going to be killed. He heard that he was going to get persecuted. 
And he was on his way out of Rome. Now, quick, a couple of years before that, when Jesus was about to be crucified, Jesus said, you will deny me. And Peter said, I will never. I'm, I'm in the scrum, I will never, Lord. And then pressure came when Jesus was taken captive. And like, do you know him? No, 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 no. I want to preserve myself. I don't know him. And he denies Christ. And Christ gets crucified and he needs to deal with that. And then the Lord comes and settles him, brings freedom for him. And now he's leading the church, Jesus' church. And now he's at that point where he's leading the church for many years when he's just found out that he's going to be killed. So he's on his way out of Rome. And this is church history. It's not in the Bible, um, but this is the story that went around um, before they had internet. Um, And um, on his way out, he sees a vision of Jesus. And Jesus is going back to Rome. And Peter asks this question. It's a Latin phrase, quo vadis. It means, where are you going? And he asks, where are you going? And Jesus, I'm going back to Rome to get crucified for a second time. And church history says in that moment where Peter had that vision, he turned around and he said, I'm not going to deny Christ again. And he went back to Rome to be persecuted and put to death. He ran back to his death when he saw it wasn't the will of Jesus for him to run out of Rome. And so this morning's sermon, this morning's preach, is a moment where each of us has this question, where are you going? Are you running away and letting the flesh rise up, pop up? Are you actually running to put it to death? Are you running to your death? And so there was this prophetic word about the tombstones. I think this morning is an invitation to a death. But in that death, there's true life. In that death, there's a life of Christ. In that death, there's true freedom. 